Let's Go State, the official podcast of Penn State Athletics. Now, from Happy Valley, here's your host, Brian Tripp. And we welcome you into another episode of Let's Go State, the official podcast of Penn State Athletics. I'm Brian Tripp, your host, and today I am joined by former Penn State fencing All-American and national champion in the Sabre. He is heading to Tokyo to compete in the Olympics, Andrew McKevich. And Andrew, thank you so much for the time. Congratulations on qualifying for the Olympics. And I guess before we really get into what goes into training and what you're up to today, can you just fill fans in right now that are listening? Where are you joining us from and what have the last couple of weeks been like and, and what's on the near horizon here as you get set for Tokyo in July? Um, I mean, besides with everything that happened this past year with the pandemic, not much has changed. Um, training's continuing. I'm going to be training now, like I have the last couple of months, um, all the way till Tokyo. Uh, <laughs> so I mean, day to day, it's seems a little repetitive, but I know it's, everything's all really exciting. So take us through it. Let's start right there. What goes into qualifying for the Olympics in the sport of fencing? A lot of people maybe follow Penn State football, basketball, volleyball. What goes into qualifying for fencing? Because this is an unbelievable accomplishment just to get to this point. Uh, yeah, it can be a little ambiguous to people that don't understand the sport um, with the qualification and everything. Um, but it's really kind of simple. Um, you have a certain amount of domestic competitions and international competitions. And depending on how you do, you get a certain amount of points. And those points accumulate at the end of the year. And whoever has the top three, um, the most points for the top three are sent to the, the games. And uh, we send a fourth person as an alternative. So we send four people to, to the games. But luckily, I was in a position where I was locked in before the final qualification. So, but at the end of the day, like everyone gave it their all, like, it was a great season. It was a great like past two years. Everyone trying to make team. Everyone was trying to help each other uh, succeed. Yeah, I'm, I'm really proud of the boys and the, guy, and the other guys. I'm really happy with the team, and I think we're going to do some great things in Tokyo. So let's start with this, and maybe this is a better spot to, to start for Penn State fans out there listening. You earned your degree from Penn State in 2018. You were an All-American national champion at Penn State. What happens between the end of your Penn State career and then – you know, you're originally set to go to Tokyo, hopefully in 2020, and the Olympics get pushed back a year. So what was that process like going from a collegiate athlete to someone who's preparing and training to compete for an Olympic spot? <laughs> uh, wow, it just feels like yesterday I graduated. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. Um, I think Penn State, being a student there, being an athlete there, really put me in the right direction to succeed after um, my collegiate career. Um, when it comes down to discipline, um, team leadership and just overall work ethic. Um, I really got to cherish my time there because it really helped me out with my journey after school. Um, like if I didn't have that, what I had at Penn State with the resources and the support I had there, um, it might it might have been a difficult transition for me. But I think I got really lucky with um, having everything I needed and learned um, when I was at Penn State. So where do you go to train? Like, I know when we talked last year, you were telling me kind of just as an aside, like you have other friends who are going out and they're getting jobs and you're still (laughs) going to train. What is that process like as you become an Olympian, as opposed to someone that maybe goes and works on Wall Street right out of college? 
I think as you know, as long as you know what you what you want, and you know, you, you only have one life, and mm-hmm. I think it's really important to just you know give your all. If, if you're passionate about something, just go ahead and do it. Um, I don't think we give enough credit for not even just children, but people, you know, later on in their life that find a passion and they want to go do it. Like, go ahead, by all means. Like, if you're passionate about something, give it at all. Let, let me step in there. Where did your passion start with fencing? When did it begin? How young were you when you became passionate about oh, fencing? Um, it, it definitely started when my parents took away my toy lightsaber. Um, <laughs> yeah, I was just whacking that thing throughout the house. And it was just me and my brother, um, just huge Star Wars fans. So I, my parents took the toys away and they're like, all right, here, like, we're going to send you for fencing. And uh, the rest is history, I guess. <laughs> Did your parents have a background in fencing at all? Because most people, you know, they sign up for, for basketball, football. How how was fencing the thing? Was it just because you were a big Star Wars guy? Um, I did play other sports. I used to live in Canada. I played hockey when I was up there because I played hockey there. Mm-hmm. And uh, I played soccer, played a few other sports. But um, I think it was, it, was, it was the first and only sport that I played that was individual. And as much as I like playing on a team, uh, I was, I don't know, I felt like I had the most control out of a game where a challenge if everything was on me. And I kind of like that pressure. So that, including the star, was uh, geek inside of me. I think both of those kind of excelled me to loving the sport and continuing it. Who is your favorite Star Wars character? Oh, man, that's such a tough one. Uh, that's such a tough one. Uh, I would have to say Boba Fett, the bounty hunter. When you were fencing growing up, or who knows, maybe even still today, did you ever like envision yourself fighting against Darth Vader or you being a, a Jedi master out there? Is that something like came in your mind? Uh, even till this day, yeah. you know, me, like, yeah, like, I'll, I'll just like go back and forth through like Star Wars references and just like too much friends, my family, people that know me well, like I'll just out of the blue just start doing like Star Wars references. <laughs> I'll do it in public, in public sometimes. People think I'm crazy. No, not at all. Not at all. So, are you still you're still a Star Wars guy today? Like, do you have a favorite of the the trilogies? Is it kind of the older ones, the newer ones? I, do you have any I, yeah, favorites? I, I know it's a hot take, but I love the prequels. I love them. Uh, the Clone Wars, um, Revenge of the Sith. I don't think they get enough credit. I might have to send to Disney and everyone else that's a fan of the other movies an email. <laughs> Well, those were those were the ones that were really big when you were growing up, so that would make a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah. That uh, no, I actually started watching on like the VCR, the old ones. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as I got older, yeah, I definitely watched the prequels and then so on and so on with the new movies. But for some reason, the the sequels definitely stuck stuck with me. That's really cool. That's really cool. So when you graduated from Penn State, like I mentioned that it's a it's a process to get to, to where you're at in the Olympics. Where do you train? Do you go to Colorado Springs? Do you go to New York City? Do you go to Los Angeles? Do you go and, and travel the world? Just for fans that don't know a ton about fencing, what is it like to continue to hone your craft? How many fencing locations are there in the United States? Are you at home in Massachusetts? Can you just give us some insight into what that process is like? Um, it's it's a lot of traveling for, for the practicing. Um, uh, usually it's mostly at home um, here in Boston. Um, I'm with my coach who I've been with for my whole entire career. Um, and then, you know, I have my strength training coach. I like doing yoga. So yoga, yeah, yoga is a great time. Um, 
and everything else I need to do like mostly here in Boston, Boston. But we do a lot of traveling. Like I said, a lot of fencers are from New York City, so we do occasionally, quite often, uh, training camps in New York City. Uh, we do go to Colorado Springs, which is great. The USOC is like a phenomenal place to train. They have everything that we need. Um, but it's also important to train with international fencers. So we do quite a lot of camps in the in Europe. Um, and countries outside the U.S. Um, we didn't really get to do that much this year because of COVID. Um, but with things opening up, we're going to Rome in a few weeks to train there, um, come back here, training camp in New York. And then we have a training camp in L.A. Straight from L.A., we went straight to Tokyo. So, yeah, we're going to be doing quite a lot of traveling. Where has, and this might be a really hard question, there's probably a ton of different places, where is the most unique or, or coolest place that, like when we talk about sports and athletes, how it can open up so many doors to get to see the world, and I know that's kind of what's happened with you here, where where has fencing allowed you to go that maybe you never dreamed of, and what kind of opportunities has that created for you to not only get the experience of competing at a high level and training at a high level, but also getting to see many things that maybe you wouldn't have been able to without fencing? Um, I'm going to give you two, two locations, all right? Um, definitely most, like, coolest place i've been to is seoul in south korea i i love it i think definitely one of my favorite cities in the whole world um just huge culture shock it's just everything there is so different from the u.s you know it's across the planet um i'm a big foodie guy so i literally was having korean barbecue every single night when i'm there (laughs) um but i definitely would rank korea up there it's pretty cool um my second answer i'll probably Tashkent, Uzbekistan. Um, that was a huge culture shock as well. It kind of felt like I was stuck in a time period. Um, a lot of uh, Soviet Union kind of propaganda is still like up there, a lot of statues from that time. For those of us that don't have great world geography, where is Uzbekistan? <laughs> uh, Uzbekistan is in the Middle East. Um, it's to the right of Israel and to the left of Pakistan. Um, it's a fairly bigger country compared to the other countries in, in the Middle East. Um, and never have I thought, you know, spin the globe and point my finger and, you know, let you know there's a competition there and we're heading up to Uzbekistan. What is it like interacting with athletes? And obviously there is some language barrier there and there's the culture shock and the cultural differences that, that you mentioned. What is it like competing against these athletes? And I know you had teammates at Penn State that were from from all over the world. But what is it like com- competing against them and getting to know them and seeing how they go about their business? And as you realize, fencing is not just something that goes on in New York City or Boston; that it's a worldwide thing. You're competing against uh, athletes from all across the globe. Um, many of them I've grown up doing. You know, the different age groups, 16 and under, 19 and under, 21 and under, and it's you know going up the ranks to uh, the senior national team. Um, but I definitely have to cherish um, my inter like interactions with them because they just uh, like I said like you know people have so many different experiences around the world and just seeing like how they live, um, what they do on a daily basis, it, it's quite astonishing. And I don't, I just bring I think it brings so much life to the sport. Everyone's coming from a different area. Everyone has a different background. And at the end of the day, we're all you know doing a common sport, which is fencing, uh, which brings us all together. And we're all hungry to compete. So I think it's quite a beautiful thing. Yeah, I do too, especially with uh, what's gone on in, in our country and across the globe over the last 
16 months, I, I think it speaks to the power of sport as well. It shows you how powerful yeah. sports can be. Oh, absolutely. So like, this, yeah, it's definitely one of the reasons why I'm so excited for the Olympics. Um, and I think the world really needs it. It's just, it's a way for the world to come together um, through competition, through sport, um, you know, bring the best athletes in every sport to, to one location and just have some national pride. Um, I, I think it's definitely one of the bigger reasons why I'm so excited to go to Tokyo. What is it like when you put on, you said national pride, what's it like when you put on the red, white, and blue? Uh, I, <laughs> um, I can't really describe it. I It feels like at this point, it's, it's just part of me, like an extension of my body, um, just able to represent the country at the highest level uh, of competition sport is a blessing. And I think so many people would like, you know, would love to be in this, in my shoes. So I got to just be able to be hungry and compete at the best of my ability so I can make my friends, family and fellow countrymen proud and female country women. <laughs> what is it like when you're on a podium and you hear that national anthem? <clears throat> Definitely brings back a lot of memories. Every time I hear the national anthem, um, I just think of some, the best moments I've had, uh, in my fencing career, not just my achievements, but just experiences from my teammates, my friends, a lot going into it. And I think the anthems kind of symbolizes all that, my, my experience, my stories, and everything else. That's something that a lot of us will never have the opportunity to experience. And I've always wondered when you're standing on that podium and you have maybe a flag draped around you, you're wearing the red, white, and blue, or the, the USA on the front of your shirt or whatever it may be, what that's like. So that's a pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the goal. I mean, I, I, I can't wait. I'm, I'm, I'm really excited. What has the last year been like? Because when we talked, I think last spring, there was still uncertainty that maybe even the games could still take place or they at least had just been maybe postponed or canceled. So what has the last year been like? Because th- there are so many unknowns that go into to what you've had to prepare for. And as athletes, you like a, a routine. You like a regimen. You like to know an end goal. So as this got pushed back, what has that last year been like for you? Um, I think I became a novice in patience yeah. um, after this past year. I, I remember the last conversation we had, I think it was a year ago. Um, you know, Olympics were on the line. I, think, I, I don't remember if they were canceled it or not. Um, but, yeah, I was pretty, I definitely was not in the right headspace back then like I was now. Like you said, there's a, there were so many uncertainties, and you know the question: Do I want to train for another year? Because I wasn't fully qualified by then, last this time last year. But I I think for me, I was just being tested, overcome everything. You know, the, the bad headspace and everything, the the feeling of waiting and just sitting around. I mean, not really technically sitting around. I mean, the training was still there, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But yeah, definitely, it's been quite a year. Um, it was, I tried to enjoy the summer as much as I could. I had a, one of the best summers I actually ever had um, as a part of not being able to compete in Tokyo. Um, but as things started opening up, um, I think a lot of people had a lot of hope. And I think hope is one of the best things you can have. Um, it's, you know, if you don't have any hope, you can't wish, you know, for the best for the future. So I'm glad that, you know, just not just myself, but the people around me, the community that I hung out with, just putting in the right headspace. And everyone was pretty hopeful that things were going to get better. Um, and, you know, now we are here today, you know, on my way to compete in the Olympics, which is pretty cool. 
and hopefully two months from now you're you're in Tokyo and getting ready to compete. Is there anxiety right now? Is it excitement? Because until really those opening ceremonies start, I know there's still some unknowns out there, especially with what's been in the news. So what is the feeling right now as you're two months away from getting on the ground in Tokyo? I'm pretty cool. Like I'm I'm like my my friends, my like parents, they're kind of shocked. They're like, are you nervous? Are you anxious or anything? But honestly, I'm feeling pretty cool. As long as I'm, you know, training, getting myself in the right headspace, preparing as much as I can, just, there's no reason I should be like anxious or anything. I'm definitely anxious in a good way to compete, but nervous? Nah, I don't think so. Do you keep in touch with any other former Penn Staters? I know you're not the only Penn Stater that's going to be in Tokyo. Uh, yeah. Um, Kaido Street, uh, who represents Japan. Um, one of my best friends during my first few years at college um, was my team captain, phenomenal individual. Um, and then we also have someone representing Egypt, Mohammed, um, great guy as well. Uh, I definitely keep in touch with a lot of people from Penn State. Um, they, like I said earlier, they were the ones that were supporting me and helped me get this drive and transition you know, outside of Penn State to something after school. And I think there's always a good group of girls and guys that come out of Penn State that go to school and you know everyone's having the same team um, same idea they want to win national championships they want to achieve well academically I'm not surprised I keep in touch with many people from school have you been back to <laughs> Happy Valley at all no this past year I've not but I'm very much looking forward to going to a game this fall on behalf of everyone at Penn State we wish you the, the very very best and we're so happy for you and so glad not only that you're representing yourself and your country, but a little bit of Penn State in there as well, and we'll be rooting for you. No, I couldn't do it without you guys. I really appreciate it. Andrew, good luck. Thanks so much. Thank you, Brian. We are. That's Andrew McEvich, a former Penn State fencer, and now he is representing Team USA in this summer's Olympics. Thank you so much again for tuning in here to Let's Go State, the official podcast of Penn State Athletics. If you like what you heard here today, make sure you rate the podcast, subscribe to the podcast, and share it with your friends and family. We'd love to have them stop by and join us as well. And we'll talk to you next time. Thanks so much for tuning in here to Let's Go State, the official podcast of Penn State Athletics. Let's Go State, the official podcast of Penn State Athletics.